Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I learned as a, as a kid, you know, when you, you dish it out, you got to be willing to take it. And... For as many times as I've done it to people, you know, I can't be upset when um, somebody else does it. You know what I mean? I think that's also um, a sign of respect and acknowledgement for, you know, knowing my history and knowing what I do. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't mind it. Um, it was what it was. I just I've also known that, you know, when you having your moment is it's important to be careful and to, to be humble when you having your moments because you just never know how the tables turn and when they're going to turn. I think it was just in the heat of the moment, just uh, having fun. Um, I know I, you know, I kind of pounded my chest and, you know, said it was, you know, my time or whatever, but I, I think really looking at it, it's, it's our time. It's our time as a group, and um, we're playing the right way. And like I said, we're, gonna, we're shocking the world right now. We're going to continue to do that. And as long as we play the right way, uh, we know we're going to be in every basketball game. And we have a lot of confidence in ourselves. And it don't matter who believes in us. It, it really doesn't, as long as the guys in the locker room do. And we got all the trust in the world in ourselves. And uh, we're going to continue to have that. <laughs> it's funny. To, uh, my trainer was like, uh, you know, one thing you haven't done in your 21 career is being a Final Four. You know, before the game started today, I kind of chuckled a little bit. But um, I mean, I know I, I played in high, my high school. You know, I went to state championship every year, my, all my four years. But, you know, once you start the postseason, it is win or go home. You know, and you can't, you can't lose it or that's it. So um, I did have that experience. But uh, this is definitely heightened, you know, being, you know, NBA players and, uh, you know, what's at stake and things of that nature. So, you know, I guess you can say that. <laughs> so much in those um, post-game sounds to react to. Callie, how are you doing? Welcome. I'm good. I'm so excited to chat all this basketball. Finally, some basketball talk with my girls. I'm excited. Yes, yes. Um, we haven't talked hoops in a while, right? Because every week you, every time you've been on, we've had to like, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, let's get into the NBA in-season tourney. Some people call it the NBA Cup. I'm one of those people. It just feels like an easier name. I don't like the initials IST. But I don't know. It just doesn't pop to me. And then in-season tournament is so long, right? It's like such a long name. Um, I think they need to go with NBA Cup. You know, the WNBA has a commissioner's cup. Come up with a name for yourself. But just give me like a one word name. I can call it, you know. That's what I was going to say. They need to take a page out of the WNBA's book. The commissioner's cup could probably, you know, come a long way in certain areas, but they definitely got the name correct. Commissioner's cup. It's succinct. It has a ring to it. The NBA needs to follow immediately. (laughs) 
Yes, yes, for sure. Um, okay, but so first of all, I don't even know where to start. Um, let's start with Damian Lillard, okay? Um, if you weren't bothered by it, that little piece at the end about remaining humble didn't even need to be mentioned, Dame. Like, just stop it. Excuse you? You can't be all the time Dame timing and then being like, yeah, but what? what's the moment he's supposed to be humble? Does, how, how many times does he have to, like, do something before he's allowed to say something? Come on now. Come on now. I was like, I wasn't trying to hear all that. And... I don't know. I don't even know if I believe LeBron that his uh, trainer actually said that final four statement to him because we know he's a storyteller. But either way. <laughs> I saw somebody say that when LeBron gets to tap him, tap in his head and the eyes start going, that's how you know he's yeah. going to say something maybe he didn't intend to say. So, so maybe, maybe his, uh, you know, trainer did say that to him. It's very possible. But, you know, he just. Right. Absolutely. He likes, he likes to tell stories. Um, what I am loving most about this in-season tournament is Halliburton, who I've always been a huge fan of. Um, and obviously, as a Warriors fan, I'm always distraught about him because the Warriors had a chance to draft him. And people often talk about um, LaMelo, and that's who we missed out on. But I always thought it was Halliburton. I have, like, tweets like that. And he talks about the fact that, like, the Warriors he thought was one of the potential teams he could go to because they spent so much time with him. So that they landed where they did versus him and just seeing the way he's blossoming now. Yeah, of course. I mean, I get it. People don't want the rich to get richer, but damn it. I just like envision him, like what he could look like on the Warriors. And I'm just like, man, but I love it. I love, I love that he's getting this kind of attention uh, because just being honest, the, the in-season tourney doesn't move me. Um, I do think that it's accomplished what they wanted to. And I, I think there's a path to it even being bigger than what it is. And maybe eventually it will, right? It could just be that it's new. Like back in the day when the when the three-point line came about, a lot of people were like, eh, what is this? A gimmick? This or that? So it may just take me a time, you know? Like I've been watching the NBA for a very long time. And so I'm just like... Why should I care about the NBA Cup, especially when the Lakers don't think they should hang banners for it, right? If they win, right? Like, yeah. Does it really mean that much? You know, so I just, I don't know, but I love this for Halliburton because he deserves it. You know, he he yeah. deserves it. He's a great guy. Uh and I'm sure you can speak to this when he got traded from the Kings, right? I mean, he was so distraught. Like mm -hmm. he thought he was going to spend his life as a king. So he was right. so distraught. And so now, you know, I know a lot of, a big part of that trade was him and um, De'Aaron Fox coexisting together, right? And they're both thriving right now separately. So it's very easy for Kings fans and people to be like, look, this is what we could have had. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But that was the reason for the trade. It was never an indictment of whether they thought Halliburton would be a good player because he displayed that when he was a Sacramento King. And so I'm glad to see him thriving. I'm glad to see him leading his own team. I'm glad for others to to, to hop on the Halliburton bandwagon. I drafted him first last year in our BFA All-Star Draft, Callie. I picked him. Okay. Yeah. Well, and like okay. when we got to the reserves, that's what I'm saying. Like he was, you know, like... I, I love Halliburton, so I'm happy that this is happening for him.
Yeah, I think with Halliburton, it's it's exactly what you were saying. He was so committed to Sacramento, and that made Sacramento love him that much more. And so people in this area, we know that he's a superstar in the making and that this rise of his was just inevitable. I think there's a sense of that in Indiana. That's another reason why I think that this end-season tournament is actually success. I can add more on that later, but with I think it's given us an opportunity to look at players like him and see what they have to contribute. Like this was his first nationally televised TNT game or the one um, uh, last night. And so that to me is like fantastic that he balled out on that level. Even the game beforehand against the Celtics, like he, that was a nail biter. He scored 26 points. He had 10 rebounds, 23 assists. The Celtics are a monster in the yeah, East, you know, so to have a his career. Right. So to have a performance like that and then to really double it up with what he did against the Bucks, he was putting on a show. I think that's what's so exciting about Hallie is that he's like a real entertainer. I feel like maybe the swag is like not it's not like a, a normal swag. It's almost like a nerdy swag, but his play on the court kind of distracts you from like the awkward celebrations, even the damn time one. Like I thought that was a little bit like, ooh, but like he backed it up, you know, 27 points in that game, 15 assists, not a single turnover. Stuff like that excites me. And I think there's nothing like watching a star be born. That's really what the Kings probably felt like they were missing, you know, like, but we, that team has continued to, be successful obviously it's a long season but last season was you know an, a testament to what the kings were able to accomplish without hallie and so i think um it's just really cool to see his continued success and like keep watching him ascend yeah you know it's um it's okay we need the little like dweeby celebrations i mean to put steph curry on that list right like people are just like oh my god he's so like dweeby and corny with his celebration, so that's okay. Those those are fun to me. All of it's good, right? Like they all the players have the way that they celebrate, and um, <laughs> I'm just like a huge fan of him. Like from the moment he came into the league, and you know, I said last week when we were talking about this, and I said the same thing that I'm indifferent on the tourney, but I think it's going to be a good thing for like up and coming teams, for teams that maybe don't get as much shine, you know, like an Indiana Pacers, right? Like. Now this may make the NBA say, you know, like, yeah, maybe we need to give them more games. And, you know, you know, it's it's been shown or like, you know, at least the numbers are up. So I looked into it because I was like, how is the, the tourney actually performing? And the viewership, you know, it's not just like more fans engaged, but when games were on at this same time, you know, like last year in the regular season, it, it's up. There's an uptick, right? So it's it's doing what you want to happen and um you know and, and it's happening with a player like Tyrese Halliburton who like if you're an NBA junkie you probably know but maybe like the world didn't know right and so yeah. more people are getting exposed to him he's getting more national attention and that's a good thing for the league that's a great thing for Halliburton right for his star but also what that means later for endorsements and all the other things that that comes with it he got that big contract and you know and so um yeah like I said I I couldn't be more thrilled for him and I think I think because they've made it clear like we're not just chasing you know a, a Vegas championship like we we're right. going for the whole thing and while I don't know that I'm yet ready to buy the stock on the Pacers being a championship contender 
um, that's the thing. You go through something like this, some level of competition, competition, even if it's just one game um, elimination, it builds your confidence, right? So can you imagine if they go in there and they beat the Lakers, you know, uh, that's going to be a confidence builder, even if it's just in a, you know, winner go home game. And I think, you know, LeBron's record in winner go home games is like, he don't he don't lose many of them. So it's like um that that's gonna feel very good if they can like pull that off and accomplish that. Yeah, I mean I think you set it up for me perfectly. That's why I was saying let Adam Silver cook with supervision because you kind of were questioning like what's the idea of success for the in-season tournament? To me, it's like what was the goal and was the goal met? They communicated effort was to get people more engaged in the early point of the season. You look at a team like your Warriors who are incredible in the postseason and don't normally, um, I guess, play to their full potential in their regular season. And so I think point blank, full stop, that's a success. You see these players are going out of their minds for this 500K and it's giving us the content that we could discuss the whole show. Like We could talk about game time. We could talk about Bobby Portis giving a post-game you know, pep talk to the Bucks. We could talk about LeBron's longevity for this whole episode. And like, that would all be content that the in-season tournament gave us. I wouldn't, I wouldn't us. be able to talk about LeBron's longevity <laughs> for the whole episode, but yeah, well, go ahead. But I mean, I, I, I could, and I'm not even like, to me, it's like with LeBron, you don't have to like him. You really, there are so many times when I haven't liked LeBron, but you have to respect um, just the history that he continues to make year after year. To me, it's mind blowing. So, and like I said, this is set up perfectly to showcase this. If you are part of the NBA is scripted contingent, is this history this, is this like this it's NBA the, it's the, this is a first in the league. This is we will look back on this and be like the first in season NBA Cup was in <laughs> whatever twenty twenty three. Like we we're gonna have to remember this is a chapter in history. And you look yeah. everything LeBron has <laughs> not yet. I th- a lot of people don't know they're in history when it's happening. I think a lot of people, you, I mean, we know that with LeBron's career, at least. We know that LeBron is someone who will be debated as a GOAT for a long time. We know he's a historic NBA figure, but I think it's the same way with this cup. Like, this is the first one now. Maybe you're not that into it, but you will be in, in like maybe 10, 15 years. That's my thing. That's why I say let Adam Silver cook just with supervision. Because look, okay, so play in tournament. Play-in tournament. Were you a fan of the play-in tournament at first? I genuinely, I'm not trying to be funny. I don't remember. So, um, <laughs> so like, <laughs> I'm an old lady, so you got to forgive me. I, I, I genuinely yeah. don't remember. Like, I know that when I heard about this, I was just like, why, why are they making players play more games? It only ended up being one more game because we didn't know what it was going to be before it was actually right. done. So we just heard. So it was just like, yes, yeah, just what we need, like NBA players to play more games. So ultimately, when it came out to just be one game, like, you know, like to me, it's like if the players like it, I love it. You know, like I don't really yeah. care. Um, it, it's it's not that I dislike it. It's just it doesn't move me. But I, I'm someone who right. watches the NBA year round. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. The measure for success is not getting me to get into it. It's are you getting right. other people excited? Are you increasing your ratings? Like it, it's always about can you incentivize the players enough? to want to do it i was skeptical i was skeptical that but you would admit that now the players are clearly no but they're locked in 500k would motivate i thought that would only be motivation for like 
the guys on the you know lower end of the bench, maybe not the stars. But you heard LeBron mm-hmm. talking about he don't mind taking charges at his big age for, mm-hmm. for that five hundred k. So because you know like, LeBron, okay. he's about that money. He's gonna rub. He would rub two pennies together. He's got a oh, reputation to believe. Like, come on, like seriously. Like, what are we well, doing? But no, but you've you've heard kind of like the running joke in the league that he's very very frugal. He doesn't spend money on trips. Like he doesn't whatever. Okay. I'm not surprised that he's balling out for the 500k. That sounds like it. It, it fits the lore. You know, we have like Michael Jordan lore of like the type of person he was. Like that's that's LeBron James lore for sure. That he's frugal so I think that makes sense but like you were saying the bar for success is not whether you're engaged I think it's the players and like the more general audience obviously we're gonna watch no matter what but it seems like now overall the players are passionate like you mentioned LeBron's comments like we're we're getting a lot of fireworks from it so to me that's a success and then the viewership spike that you mentioned it just the game that i was able to find the numbers for was the warriors and uh kings in season tournament game like last week that had 2 million viewers roughly which was a 93% increase over a similar window previously like yeah, last season I or whatever so to me you, that's you're probably impressive. gonna like what i'm gonna say in, in response to that and the kings fans as well because they they think they're the reason why like when they played the warriors like that series is so good but that's that's about stephen curry i'm sorry just is you know so like if, if it was the kings facing another team you know the bump wouldn't have been that like we can be real about that but okay but there's a way to credit both teams for that the rivalry draws viewers it's a no. good rivalry what do you rivalries call it? Okay. Two, rivalries have two sides winning. It may become oh, one Oh, jeez. Not a rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all just got that one game the other day. I'm sure. Cherish it. Be happy. I know you were probably, because you were on here talking about, oh, I wish Steph Curry wouldn't be so great. So I'm sure you were delighted that night when they pulled off the comeback, right? <laughs> Right. We love to see it. But the thing, the fact is that that matchup, Kings Warriors, continuously creates moments like that. I have seen an ungodly amount of clutch Steph Curry buckets against the Kings. So to me, you don't, if you don't want to call it a rivalry, it's a really good pairing. That's the best way to say it. There's a lot of shared history, all that. I think that's why the viewership is increased, not just the Kings. Obviously, Steph Curry is a superstar. So that's why people are going to watch. But I think the Kings help for sure. For sure. Any game that Steph Curry's in brings more ratings. You can check the data on that. <laughs> you know what? My Kings are going to have something. We couldn't have Hallie. We couldn't have the in-season <laughs> tournament. But we got to have something. And it's their role in the pairing. That's good. That's all. That's all. I hear you. I hear you. Listen to me. <laughs> The Chuck said last night, I don't give a damn what they said about them fouls after the Lakers game the other night. This is what the NBA oh. wanted, and I agree. So the script is scripting. They got mm-hmm. <laughs> they got what they wanted. They got their beloved, precious Lakers um, yeah. in there. And I want to say, because I know there was some commentary, though, like, oh, my God, like, if, if we get a Bucks pacers series, um, Nick Fredell, um, you know... And I think that, for one, because, like, 
the Bucks have Giannis. So like, let's not act like there's just like no major star on that team. So I did think that was like a somewhat disrespectful comment to make. Yeah. Um, and and Halliburton's a rising star. He's capturing the imaginations of people right now. So I felt mm-hmm. like that was like a little like rude to say. You know, I, I was messing with you about the Kings, but I love De'Aaron Fox and I really loved the comments that that um that Mike Brown said when he was like, why why isn't he being discussed in the MVP conversation? Why isn't, like, that's what your coach is supposed to navigate for you. But like, even last year, like he did make the all-star. I think he was like a replacement, but I was like, I don't want to see any more replacements for him in this, like just straight up all-star. He needs to yeah. make it. And I get it's very hard in the West. And, you know, you know, like Steph and Luca are just going to have those spots no matter what. But um, I, like in terms of like starters and stuff like that. But I, like, I want to see, and you know, now Shay, who's also been in like MVP conversations. So it's going to be tough, but I don't want to see, well, I know he won't be because the Memphis Grizzlies suck this year, but I don't want to see um, what's his name. They're, 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 they're so-called defensive player of the year. What, what, what? Jaren Jack- yes. Jackson Jr. Yes, yes. I don't want to see no more Jaren Jackson of all-stars appearances. I'm sorry. Like, you you give it to the guards. You know, you have Devin Booker. You have um, De'Aaron Fox. You have SGA. You have Steph. You have Luca. There's a lot mm-hmm. of guards in the West. Give those wild cards and stuff to these players because they're putting on a show from you. And I just feel like De'Aaron Fox somehow always gets slighted. And I want to say, Kings fans, step your game up because I used to see some of them votes and he wasn't getting enough votes so I like De'Aaron Fox like make sure there's no question about him but he's having an incredible season so I was just like messing with you but just like I think Halliburton is so like don't undersell you know these young guys and these teams and I I think I'm sensitive to that because it was like that when Steph Star was rising right I mean the Warriors were such a bum front franchise and then he like raised it and you were like watching it so you don't know Halliburton may be the next thing I think the Kings are the next thing and I've said that many times I'm like all this the Grizzlies are coming no the Kings are coming and I've been saying that so um you know I think that the league is in a good place and I love this and I'm go Pacers I'm rooting for the Pacers you know I hang the banner anyway they're not gonna hang the banner they said that so they're not gonna hang the banner but LeBron wants that 500k and he wants it for his legacy like I said so I think that um all signs in the script are pointing towards the Lakers win in the inaugural that's in-season upset, tournament. That's why the indie upset's going to be great. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see it. You know, I'm I'm part of the Halley Hive, if that even exists. I might have just made it up, but I'm part of it. Like, I'm, I'm rooting for him, seriously. And I think it's so funny how when you were talking about the Pacers-Bucks uh, matchup, potentially, or I think you said Pacers-Bucks, right? Being bad. Yeah. Um, and that you didn't... <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned not my opinion. Right. Yeah. No, no, not your opinion. But um, you mentioned them having Giannis as a superstar. You didn't mention Damian Lillard, which (laughs) I thought was funny because you don't count him as like part of the superstar of the team. It's it's not just that, but I'm just saying like Giannis is like arguably the best player in the league. So, you know, it's like he's a super superstar. No, I don't think Damian Lillard is the level of Giannis. He's a he's a. Yeah, so that's that's all I meant. Like, and Giannis oh. is the face of the franchise. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah they got a, they got a duo over there for sure. Yeah, but I think that would have like the star power definitely was there, and I I do hope the Pacers kind of won't take that discussion 
uh, too much to heart, like obviously using as motivation, but their head coach, you saw, he was saying, you know, nobody wanted us here after the, the victory. And it's like, well, let's not, let's not say nobody wanted you there. Like there were people that wanted to see you uh, maybe one themselves. Like, even if it's not real, they take the slightest rub and they, that's what they do. It's what they do in sports. So anyway, you're right. We could keep talking about this longer, but we're not because we need to move to some other important topics. So we will be right back to get into some things with Shalise Manzi Young. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By the way, he knows, he knows because when they told him he, he wasn't a, a real quarterback. That's right. Right, 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 real talk. Wait, they what t- happened? He had one of the most storied, successful, collegiate careers at quarterback anyone's ever had. And the pro teams are asking him if he wants to switch positions to play something else. It's very like, disrespectful. Yeah, why? That's... Why did they ask you that? If... Because, no you know, because they don't fit the description. Know you know. <laughs> you do well, know why. Well, the truth is, there's a lot of history with them not wanting black guys to play quarterback. In football? You know, yeah. tons of history. It started with, oh, they can't think quick enough. This, this like this is going way back, 70s, 80s, and it's still, it's dying Every day, off. Y'all give me more reasons to. It's dying off, but it's still there. It's still there. That's why I need that championship. That's why I need that championship. Uh, Shalise Nancy Young, welcome, welcome. I'm so Hello, glad to friend. have you this conversation. We're about to have because why are we showing Lamar Jackson a year ago on the shop with LeBron and Mav Carter talking about black quarterbacks and how they're described? Why are we talking about that? Because there's been a lot of chatter around Jalen Hurts since the the Eagles lost. They they got dominated, right? It's my Eagles. I don't want to talk about them like that, but they got dominated by the 49ers. And there's just been a lot of like ridiculous commentary um, about Jalen Hurts since that game occurred. So it was suggested that he should be benched. (laughs) He should be benched, um, you know, so he could get healthy. But it feels like that wasn't really the reason that it was suggested he should be benched. And so... Shalise, I just want to talk, you know, I want to get your thoughts. We did talk about this a little bit yesterday, but when you first heard the, you know, the clip and the discussion around whether he should be benched, what was your initial reaction to it? Well, let's even take this back because even before the game started last week, there was a column out of Philadelphia that said that, um, you know, if the 49ers quarterback 
was playing in Philly, he would be a god and that Jalen's respected, but he would be a god. And so what is the difference between those two players? I mean, Brock Purdy was injured and wasn't in the playoffs last year. I didn't make it all the way through the season. And Jalen Hurts played phenomenally in the Super Bowl. Yes, that's the game he played in just a few months ago. So this is going back to even before kickoff of that 49ers game. And, you know, you sent me that David Carr clip. And I'll be honest, I had no idea David Carr was even part of the media until I saw that clip. He's not somebody <laughs> that I think of very often. Um and it's just, look, if he had said, because we all know that Jalen's dealing with a knee injury, if he had said strictly that having Jalen sit for a game or two to try to get a little bit healthier makes sense, I can kind of ride with that. But to throw in there the line that he did that Jalen can't read defenses, that's the dog whistle of all dog whistles when it comes to black quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. If they weren't they weren't great leaders. I mean, we're going back decades. They weren't good enough leaders because, you know, racism. They aren't smart enough to read defenses. They aren't smart enough to do this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, it's just coming right back to the fore that that's what David Carr said. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you brought up the Philadelphia Inquirer piece, and I'm just... Um... Because that wasn't the actual headline for the story, but it's what they tweeted. Um, mm -hmm. And when they tweeted it, they, it said, this is something that was written inside of the article. Jalen Hurts is admired and beloved here, but Brock Purdy would be a god in Philadelphia, a god. And the reason why I think it's so ridiculous that Mike Slesky <laughs> wrote this is because we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. Grant mm -hmm. Cunningham. Pam, Donovan McNabb, Mike Vick. This is, you know, Ray Rose is the head coach. Yes. People often ask me why I'm an Eagles fan because I'm not from Philly. They always think it's because I went to school in Philadelphia. I went to Temple. Um, but it's because growing up when you were younger and if you were watching the NFL, it was like, oh my gosh, Randall Cunningham, you know, like, it was a thing because black quarterbacks were so rare and few in that time. And because the, the organization has had a legacy of having black quarterbacks, that's what drew me to them. Cause it was pride that you felt at that time as a young kid watching them and seeing it. And they continued with that. So that's why I am a fan of the Eagles. That's how it started. And then they became my team, but it, it, that's what it was based on. Um, and so in a town like that, and look, I'm not saying like Philadelphia doesn't have its issues with racism because all places do, but in a place like that with a, an organization that has a history like that, it was bizarre to see that tweeted from, from a Philly publication at that, right? So Callie, you know, um, <laughs> when when this clip that's floating around with Carr and he's saying, you know, all this stuff, Jalen can't read defenses. Like, to me, it was also like, I, I agree with Shalise. It's a dog whistle. But to me, it was also some of the other, like, subtle implications because it was like, he needs to get back and, you know, um, you know, he needs to to rest because basically- And do the only thing he can right do. Now. 
Right. So it's just like, it's the only thing he can do. Right. Right. And also, I think it's offensive to suggest that the Eagles can just win and be okay without Jalen, because it goes back to the argument that it's his pieces that make him and not him that helps make the team or, or uplifts them. So basically you're saying without him, without his rush capabilities, you know, then he, he's, he's not a great quarterback. And like, I, I find that really offensive. Yeah, I think it, what Shalice was saying is so true about the dog whistle, but I think it's also just like a moving standard. Like the goalpost is always moving when it comes to black quarterbacks because the main part of Carr's critique was that he didn't look comfortable um, in the pocket. And so to me, it's like, is your critique that he should be benched because he's hurt or because he's not comfortable as a signal caller in the, the position that he's been in you know what i'm saying to me that that is strange i think if you even look at just his stats he passed for 298 yards which is not obviously like fantastic or whatever but he didn't turn the ball over you know what i'm saying like he didn't turn the ball over once there we know that he's hurt so to, to like harp on that and then not make that the main point of the reason why you think that he should be benched and double down and make it about his performance um that's strange to me i think it should be our goal always as media to make sure our point is clear. It's the same with that column that you mentioned. So the the thing about Jalen Hurts uh, being good and then Brock Purdy potentially being a god, um, that I guess wasn't the point. The point, I guess, was that he's supposed to be um, an underdog and Brock Purdy is even more of an underdog, which to me is a bad take, Ridiculous. just like Carr's take was a bad take. But you could at least find a way to make that the center of what your argument is and like that's a huge miss on both of their parts the calmness car like make your point clear and otherwise you're just like slipping in these jabs that are are just like tired at this point like we know what the critiques are going to be of black quarterbacks you might as well um be blatant about them instead of trying to slip them into these weird narratives that don't fit i think that's the problem is that these these like what you're trying to say is not it's not clear and it doesn't make sense well, yeah, Carr did circle back, uh, I, I guess. They gave him, after his first, you know, <laughs> clip went viral, they gave him a chance to try to clarify. But even the idea that Marcus Mariota is a better quarterback, whether Jalen's healthy or not, exactly. which is sort of what he implied. Are, yes. are we talking about the same Marcus Mariota? Because the last time we saw Marcus Mariota, he was the definition of mediocre for the Atlanta Falcons last year. So... Up until this last game with San Francisco, which every quarterback has regrettable games or forgettable games, I covered Tom Brady for 10 years. There were some stinkers in there. There really were. But that's what great quarterbacks, you know, they bounce back. And we will see Jalen's medal this week against the Cowboys. But again, Marcus Mariota? I mean, before he started last year for the Falcons, he hadn't started until like since 2020. And you're talking yeah. about, oh, yeah, let's let's just have him repra- re- replace a legit MVP quarterback. It's and wild. Like, yeah, he doubled down on it. And, you know, it's a little misleading right now because when you look around the NFL, there are – it's at an all-time high with starting quarterbacks in the league and just in general the number of black quarterbacks in the league, right? So on its face, you would say, oh, that's progress, right? Um, we, we, we've made progress. 
but the herein lies the problem and how these players are discussed and how after one bad game the way they're treated do we talk about you know josh allen like that after one bad game he's given a lot of tries before he's even critiqued a little bit right um jalen hurts or even justin herbert justin herbert like the media loves justin herbert more than his mama does yes yes and 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 you know, look, the best player in the league right now, or the best quarterback, however you look at it, but I'd say the best NFL player is Patrick Mahomes. And I believe that most people think that, right? Depending on, unless, you know, some people would say, no, not positions, look at other positions. But Patrick Mahomes is, I don't think anyone disputes that he's the best quarterback in the NFL, right? And so people will say like, well, look, look, we love Patrick Mahomes, right? And I want to be very clear that Patrick Mahomes is excellent. He is the best. And I'm not questioning that. But there's also something different about Patrick Mahomes where I think it lends itself to the media treating him differently. Would you agree with that, Shalise? I do. Um, And look, as you said, we are not saying that Patrick Mahomes is not phenomenal. He is. But I do wonder if there's a little bit of colorism at play here and that he is a much lighter-skinned quarterback than Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and some of these other players. You know, Lamar in the past, we've seen him with, you know, cornrows and stuff like that, and Mahomes just sort of has this floppy uh, hairstyle that he has going on. And we have seen Patrick step up, and and I think, you know, I I would never discount what he did in, in the summer of 2020 when he was part of that covert video Um, around Black Lives Matter, because even, you know, back then he was very much, you know, rising to become the face of the league. And that was a big deal for him to have done that, to put himself out there in that way. But I do wonder if the fact that he is not, I don't know, he doesn't represent like the stereotypically bad Black things, I guess, that some people consider um, is playing a role here. And again, we're not saying that he's not great. And maybe the fact that, you know, he won the MVP in his first full year as a starter plays a role in it because he just established himself right away as being fantastic. But it's not like this would be a new thing if, you know, there's colorism involved. We've seen it, you know, to bring in track and field in more recent times. And Callie and I have had this this exact discussion. Sidney McLaughlin is a 400 meter hurdler and now an open 400 meter hurdler. Phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. A thing Mo is an 800 meter runner for the United States. Sydney is mixed and light skinned and has tons and tons and tons of endorsements rolling in. Every time I open her Instagram, it seems like she has a new sponsor. A thing Mo, I follow her on Instagram too. I don't know if she has any sponsorships outside of her shoe deal. Nike. So, yeah. and a thing is quite darker than Sydney. So it's not new if that's what's in play, but you know, it's unfortunate, obviously. And it's not new in sports. It's not new in media and entertainment, like colorism and the darker you are and being penalized for it has has always been a thing, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's that's why it's important that we point that out. It occurs to in the NBA with Stephen Curry, who's my favorite player, right? And so um, who is great? He is great. Those are true things, but also he benefits for the, but you know, by the complexion of his skin and people always get offended when you suggest something like that. But it's like, I've had conversations with people on Twitter and they'll say to me, um, 
oh, I look at Steph Curry like he's just like me, you know? <laughs> and I laugh. I don't think they're going to say that about LeBron James. They're not going to say, oh, I, you know, like they're just not, right? And um, and so that's the thing. It it's um it's more proximate and complexion to people. And a lot of times when someone looks like you, like people are more comfortable with them. And that's not about racism. That's just, it's what your comfort levels are. And so mm-hmm. helping people to recognize and acknowledge those things and see it is good. You know, it's not necessarily a, a, a bad thing. So um, look, I, I don't know what was in, um, I don't know what his intentions were. He said it was just about Jalen being injured and that's why he made the commentary, but it sounded like a dog whistle to me. Lamar Jackson has been subject to that kind of treatment. Other black quarterbacks have. And so that's why it, it, it raised an eyebrow for many of us. And it was a conversation on social and we touched on it a little bit yesterday. And that's why we, you know, continued that discussion more today. So um, let's do better with the language we use to, to describe people um, and, and think about it. And, you know, one other point I'll just make about Patrick Mahomes before we move on is that I do think he plays the prototypical quarterback, right? What's been determined in the past to be great, right? And so Lamar and Jalen play the game a different way, but their their ability to, to rush is not the only thing that makes them a good quarterback, right? But because they do some of that, it's like we default to focusing on that, their athleticism, those attributes about them, and don't focus on their intelligence and the other dynamic things that they also are able to do. And I think that's unfortunate and we need to change the conversation around that. Um, so listen, there was more Jalen Hurts commentary, (laughs) you know, we're leading up into Sunday night football and Nick Bosa says the 49ers put out the blueprint on Jalen Hurts. So I'll let him say it, um, because I think it was ridiculous, but yeah, he said, uh, they put out the blueprint. So let's hear from Nick Bosa. Yeah, I mean, you see it on tape, though. Uh, and then, obviously, we put the blueprint out there. Hopefully, the Cowboys watch the tape. Um, we made Jalen stay in the pocket and escape outside instead of those big gaps and uh, paid off. Because Jalen's looking at the rush every play. Um, so, yeah, you just have to be disciplined and, and not give him that quick escape route where he could get to his guys quick. And, it paid off. and our back end play. Awesome. <laughs> Jalen's looking at the rush every play. Is he? <laughs> yeah. All right. Callie, what did you what do you think when you hear Nick Bosa say these things? Well, it reminds me, you know, you and I joke a lot about how I'm always pushing the Lamar Jackson agenda for MVP, but there's a reason for that. And it's what we discussed, like the colorism and the racism. I think Lamar is the perfect example of that. So when Nick Bosa said that um, Hertz is always looking at the rush, it reminded me of what really cemented this perspective for me. There was an anonymous defensive coordinator in 2022 who put out some and it, it was a survey, an anonymous survey. But what he said about Lamar Jackson stood out to me. I'll never forget it. I'll read you guys the quote. He said, if he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. 
He's so unique as an athlete and he's a really good football player. But I don't care if he wins MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be one as a quarterback. He'll be number one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. Why is that? You know what I'm saying? There's a reason for that. There's a reason that an incredibly talented player who obviously has won MVP deserves to be viewed as a good quarterback. But there's a reason why you refuse to view that player that way. And that is deeply frustrating for me. It's why I always champion for Lamar whenever you give me a voice on this show. It's why I champion for uh, quarterbacks that look like him. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. My thing is, okay, let's see. I hope that the Eagles will come out and, and disprove um, that really unfortunately stereotypical assessment that Bosa made. Like, let's come out and disprove that. That's what I'll be rooting for because I absolutely hate the narrative and I hate when it it's continuously perpetuated the way that it is well let's i mean the quarterback's job is to lead the offense down the field and into the end zone into wins and so whether they run a little bit or they pass it or however they get down there if they're getting into the scoring position and scoring why is that a problem you know and of course it's because a lot of these older coordinators and coaches you know, it's how their daddy's coach or how their uncle's coach or their father-in-law's coach because of all that NFL nepotism. But the job of the quarterback is to lead the offense down the field. So I, I, I just don't understand that. You know, Cam Newton, for uh, not the most efficient passer we've seen over the last 20 years or so, but Cam Newton might be one of the two or three best third down weapons in the NFL over the last you know, 12 or 15 years or since he, he, you know, he entered the league in 2011, whether he did it by his legs or, or by passing, he was a phenomenal third down threat. Look at that game that the, the Eagles won in overtime a few weeks ago, Jalen ran in the winning touchdown. Does that mean he he's not smart enough to read a defense? Like he, yes, he ran it in, but he got them in the point where they could score the winning touchdown. So it's all bullcrap. Um, I'm trying to be nice. So um, yeah. it's just, it's all, it's all bullcrap. And even something is, as you know, to our point, when DeVito for the Giants, you know, two weeks into him starting, they're doing all of these, you know, special pregame clips and playing up the trope of him being a New Jersey Italian. And part of the cynical part of me feels like they did that because he's a young white quarterback And the NFL media writ large is desperate for a good white, young white quarterback. And that's, I think it's part of the reason why they latch on to Brock Purdy as well. Yeah. Who also, by the way, Brock Purdy's good. So we're not saying he's not, but we're saying he's not good. Two things can be true, people. Two things can be true. Listen, (laughs) um, Nick Bosa, like I get why he wants the, 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 Cowboys to win because that that would be good for them. That would be really good for the 49ers. But you're also giving the Eagles motivation. You're giving the Eagles motivation as well when you say shit like this. Because Jalen, they, you know, his his teammates might speak up and say something, but he hears all of this shit. He hears it and he sees it. So you're giving the Eagles motiva- motivation to go into Dallas and go break that 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 undefeated win streak they got going at home. So I need them to do it. The Seahawks almost did it the other day. They should have done it the other day. So I, I think the, the, the Eagles are capable of doing it. 
you know, that's, this is what it is. You know, this is, there's no bigger, there seems like with the, the wins and losses and the big quarterback injuries this year, there haven't been too, too many like real games that you've anticipated so much. And obviously last week with Eagles 49ers, this week with Eagles Cowboys, it's, you know, hopefully it lives up to the hype, but, and Dak Prescott is wants to cement his argument for being MVP because it's just so up in the air this year. There's no real clear winner at this point in the season. But, right. you know, hopefully it, it plays out to black quarterbacks. I know, you know, it might offend some people, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. I mean, it's I think I said this to you, Natalie, earlier, but uh, Nick Bosa and um and David Carr, let's just say their their Twitter feeds tell on them a little bit. We'll leave it at that. Yes, go do your own research if you're wondering what we're talking <laughs> about. But we gave you we gave you um, context clues. Listen, um, no, before we wrap really quick, we did not talk about um, Thursday night football last night um, because going into the game, it really wasn't a highly anticipated game. <laughs> being, I guess, slightly better than people expected, but the outcome was so different. And I just know, Callie, before we go, you have some thoughts about (laughs) how people are reacting to the Patriots winning and the Steelers losing. So, Callie, get your takes off before we close. Yeah, you know what? I know that my feed says leave Mike Tomlin alone. I should amend that a little bit. It should be not too much on Mike Tomlin because I think if you look at their situation right now, they've lost two consecutive games to teams that were arguably not as good as them, even though the Steelers themselves are not necessarily as good as their record suggested prior to those games. But still, those are two games that they shouldn't have dropped and new lows for them. But at the end of the day, if you look at it from a bird's eye view, Mike Tomlin, yes, he is the coach. But that locker room right now is in disarray. And I don't think that that's fully his responsibility. You have to think just two games ago when they were seven and four, everybody was crediting Mike Tomlin for his ability to keep this team in playoff contention for such an uninterrupted streak. That's his contribution as a coach. That's his legacy as a coach. He is a winning coach. And so I think that um, to try and almost discount that now because of the predicament they're in is a, it's a, it's, it's a misstep. If anything, we need to look at the locker room, look at, um, Micah Fitzpatrick's comments from last night where he said that, you know, we need more dogs. We need more people who want to get out and earn it. That's a locker room problem. Like there's something going on. So I think that as much as we want to kind of like poo poo the person that's the face, which is Mike Tomlin at this point, it's probably a good idea to look deeper than just, you know, coming for his head. And that's my take. Oh, people have been trying to get rid of Mike Tomlin for years, and it's wild. Like, what are we, 15, 16 years in now, and he's never had a losing record? It's, you know, it's, again, sort of ties into what we were saying before. What is different about Mike Tomlin than the vast majority of other NFL coaches? Um, I just saw you guys put up that that, um, headline there. Is it time for Tomlin and the Steelers to part ways? Again, what are Crazy. we talking about here? What are we talking Crazy. about? If, who, whose job was it to find a replacement for Ben Roethlisberger? Not solely Mike Tomlin's. They have a GM. The GM right. didn't do a good job. So right. he can only coach. The, I don't think he has final say over the 53-man. It's not like a Patriot situation. So Tomlin can only coach 
you know, the players that show up in the locker room or show up on the practice field every day. It, it's the Mike Tomlin slander, again, it, it goes back, it feels like for years. Terry Bradshaw, right. numerous times, you know, we talked about dog whistle and coded language. He's just not yeah. my type of coach. What does that mean, Terry? What does that mean he's not my type of coach? For yeah. sure. Shalise, thank you for joining today. Appreciate <laughs> you. We'll be back, guys. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. New starting lineup tonight, yeah. just trying something different or just, uh, you know, I, or what was that? It Just trying something different? No, I mean, they broke a team rule. Um, they took it on the chin. We kept it moving. We're good. No, nothing, nothing, nothing long lasting. When you look at that, Callie, a coach has the ability to speak about disciplining a player, explaining why they didn't start, and there's no big deal, no fallout, no nothing after that, no speculation, done. It's almost like it's possible to inform fans while protecting your players. It's almost like that. <laughs> right. It's almost I mean, like maybe- Novel concept, novel concept. <laughs> it's almost like we said that a few weeks ago when discussing a different star player in a different top program. It's almost like that. Yeah. Like, look, I'm just going to flat out say it. And I always say it. I said that if Angel Reese was playing for a coach like Dawn Staley, she would have been better protected. And I stand by that. I stand by that even after Angel Reese has come back and said, <laughs> you know, um, all this great stuff about Kim Mulkey. Dawn Staley does it better. And I appreciate Dawn Staley for continuing to be an ambassador of the women's game and, and set an example of being like a great coach. And just what she did recently by playing Morgan State and explaining why they typically play schools like that. I mean, she's just a goat and a boss. You know, Callie, what did you think about that? Yeah, I think putting MEAC schools, putting HBCUs on a bigger stage, South Carolina is the number one team undefeated in women's basketball right now. So giving another team with a smaller platform an opportunity to shine is important. And I know she understands the weight of that because she always gets it. And every single thing she does, she gets it. And so that's why I respect her so much. And I think it's great to kind of get an opportunity to see new emerging talent from these smaller less um seen schools absolutely dawn we thank you we salute you please keep doing what you're doing have a great weekend y'all um we will be back on monday 
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.